Hi guys. So first of all, this is for you too. I just want to say that I am sorry. Um, last week I thought I was recording my part two and turns out I was not. I went to look at the video and I had a minute and 30 seconds recorded. Shh. And shh. Turns out I didn't record it. I'm not quite sure what happened, but I'm sorry. And this video quality is not that great. Sorry. But I'm using my um, I'm using my computer for this one. So yeah. So I'm gonna go ahead and get started with the with the uh, intro to the show. Oh, where'd it go? <laughs> All right, here we go in three, two. In three, two, one. Hello, good evening, or whenever time you're watching. Welcome to Ashley on Air. This is going to be part three of my story so that next week in 2019, I can't believe I'm saying that, we are going to get down to the business. But there are so many questions that people ask me all the time and so many things that I have not shared or have shared but need to clarify. And so that's what I'm doing in this three-part series. I want to say thank you and apologize for not doing the live show today. Um, some things came up and I also kind of didn't account for, um, for the sake of transparency, uh, a couple of family things that might come up the day after Christmas. So that was my bad. And in 2019, I get to be a little bit better about planning ahead. Um, second thing I want to say is I never expected um, so much, uh, um, I don't know, positive feedback. I don't know if it's positive feedback, but I've, I didn't expect the, the type of feedback that I've been getting. I mean, people sharing their story. And I know I said it in the last one, but it's the same. Like still, I, I'm getting emails and messages on Instagram and just messages on blog talk radio all the time about people that can relate and are inspired by or have very similar situations to and thank you so much for sharing and keep sharing and it inspires me it can inspire other people it can help you it can help me and I'm I'm just I'm loving it and I'm glad that I decided to do it this way um and another thing I want to say is I can't wait until next year. Like <laughs> I have a lot of, I have a lot of things that I want to do and change and accomplish and sharing my story with you guys and, and having this platform is so inspiring. I also want to say that I just remembered is that I didn't, I, I knew sharing would make me vulnerable, 
but it has been it has been something I couldn't have expected feelings that I feel and and things I remember I have a plan to tell you guys certain things and I remember other things that come up and I'm just like oh yeah that happened too and I I I it's kind of it's good it's kind of you know therapeutic but it's also kind of like mm, damn <laughs> I don't know if I wanted to feel that at that time but I am and I'm doing it and being vulnerable is important I feel like being vulnerable in a time where we have the ability to be so connected through social media and things like that. I feel like we are so disconnected and vulnerability is our, is our only true um, kind of state of being to get to that. So I appreciate you being here. I love being able to share my story. I'm holding my Herkimer crystal in case you guys are wondering what I'm fidgeting with because it helps me open up and connect and share and have high energy. So, all right. So I guess I will just get right into it um, and pick up where we left off. So we feel like, feel like where we left off was <clears throat> right in high school where I had my car stolen and that was my junior year senior year was pretty cool I missed a lot of school put no other reason other than I just didn't want to go um I I don't know I I I thought I had kind of accomplished what I wanted to accomplish as far as you know the regular curriculum that we were learning and I was ready to move on and I did that um, in my senior year in high school toward the end I quit cheer I um, it actually followed <clears throat> it followed an incident where my best friend and I same best friend that created pimp juice with me um, we got into a little trouble with a with a falsely accused, somewhat not falsely accused shoplifting situation. Um, and then we, we kind of ended up in the police station and nothing happened. No files were charged or anything like that, but it was another one of those <laughs> times where it's a learning experience. So we had gotten to that trouble and a lot of people were judging us and looking down on us and kind of like, you know, doing kind of the same things we were, but somehow we were the outcasts. I'm not really quite sure how that ever ended up happening every single time, but it did. So we quit cheer and that was, you know, as, as far as you guys had, had known from the last episode, I loved cheer it kept me sane. <laughs> it was my, my go-to, but I just couldn't do it anymore. The, the coach was awful. God. When we had one coach for a long time and the other coach that stepped in was terrible and um, just couldn't do it with her anymore. And then later on down the road, I found out she 
still talked shit about me later on. Like, it's just chalk tall stuff. But anyway, she hated me and she had it out for me and that's just proof of that. But anyway, so um, we went to, instead of doing fourth hour cheer, we were, you know, in class and we ended up doing sign language for that fourth hour instead of cheer. And I learned a lot and I loved that. Oh, I love doing sign language. It was so cool. Our, uh, <laughs> for our final in sign language, we did um, System of a Down aerials. We signed that. It was awesome. So fun. With the only, um, there was a there was a deaf kid in the class. He was the only one. Everyone else in the class was not deaf. And we made friends with him and we did our final with him and it was amazing and awesome. And I still think about him sometimes. He was so cool. Uh, yeah, so then graduation and geez, my mom and dad were both at my graduation. Some of my uncles from Arkansas came down for graduation. Oh, geez. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Those times were were cloudy then are still kind of cloudy now, but pretty much directly after graduation in May, I was only 17 still. I was the youngest one in my class the whole time throughout school. And then my best friend turned 18 in July, and then I turned 18 in August. And we had done some, I don't want to say research, but just, you know, we, we had some things catch our eyes that made us realize we could make a lot of money really fast and be very good at it. So as soon as she turned 18, three weeks before I turned 18, we knew what we were going to do. As soon, the, I think the day I turned 18, we found a house. Again, if you remember from part two, my dad was living with us at my grandparents' house. We all three found a place in Midwest City, Oklahoma, and we rented it. It was on Thornton, Thornton Street and I think 10th, 15th. I think it was 15th. I don't know. It was right by the Walmart and McDonald's and all that. It was a really cute house, and we split it three ways. At the time, we were all making pretty good money. Well, and my best friend and I were going to start making really good money. Um, we signed the lease on the house, and we signed, um, I guess, liability or release things. I don't know. And we were going to start dancing. And yes, the kind of dancing you would assume with the stripping and the poles and all of that. So we do that. I have at this time long, black, shiny, thick hair just down to my blank middle of my back, basically. My best friend is blonde, the complete opposite of me. You know, we're, we're skinny. We're little 18-year-olds. Um, we have no idea what we're doing. The 
it was at the Red Dog. <laughs> if any of you are from Oklahoma and are familiar with the Red Dog, then you'll be super proud of us. But the the manager's name was Lewis, and he sat in the corner, and he we went in, and he was like, "Are you sure? Okay, you have the job." Where you know lingerie and heels. We're like, okay. Man, we really thought we were something. We thought we were cool as hell. We thought we were just going to take over the world stripping at the Red Dog. Goodness gracious. So we got some stuff, and we didn't have stripper heels, didn't even really know what those were. So we went in these fuzzy little like nighty looking shoes with heels that were about an inch maybe. And we get on stage with that. And um, I believe, I I can't remember who went first. I really can't. We went up to the DJ booth and she picked her song. I picked my song. The DJ picked our names. She was Star. I was Roxy. I know. Real, real, real original. Oh my God. Revisiting this is hard. Um, (laughs) My first song I danced to was Stink Fist by Tool. I can't remember hers. It was probably like Sublime or something. I don't know. And we did our respective first dances and Lewis the manager was like, you guys can't wear those shoes. (laughs) You have to wear stripper shoes. Our heels are like, you know, one inch little things with fuzzies on them. And he's like, you're going to have to run and get you some stripper shoes at the, um, there was a Christie's toy box, which is what Oklahoma had as their like adult store. And so we were like, okay, I guess we can go get those. So we did that. And let me tell you, I put that freaking pair of shoes on that were thick and it was, and I tripped and fell a bunch of times on stage, and it sucked. So anyway, that was um, August of 2004. Yeah. Wait, hold on. That can't be right. No, August of 2013. And we danced there together for a couple of months. We made good money. We lived in the same house. And then as any tried and true, excellent career, best friends living together at 18 uh, scenario would play out. It didn't play out at all. We ended up not doing so well. I know this is shocking to you guys. But at that time, I knew it wasn't doing so well. Um, in the club, in walks a guy and Okay, I guess two guys and a girl. And one of them was good looking. And at the time, I didn't really know what I wanted. I was an idiot. He was 18 and, and, and dancing at the Red Dog. And I took to him because, well, because he was attractive. And two, I was young. And, and three, I knew that, I, that my life was changing again. And so I, I kind of took to him and I, I sat with him and he was with, again, another guy and another girl who I thought were like his age. So I sat there and I talked to them for so long, only later to find out, and they were in biker gear, 
colors and leathers and chaps and the whole nine yards. It was cold outside and they'd been riding all night. You could tell they were, they'd been drinking and again, they were in colors. And if you don't know what colors means, that's when they have a, a leather biker vest with a patch on the back, meaning they belong to a certain affiliation. And I didn't know exactly what that meant at the time. I knew some of it, but I didn't know the seriousness of it, I guess. So anyway, sitting and talking with him and them, I realized that it was him and his mom and his dad. And his mom and his dad had him when they were both very young. I want to say 15 and 17. So right away, I was attracted to this guy. And already, he was a a product, a child of two parents at a very young age. But his parents were there. They were present. They were cool. They were fun. They were laughing. And so I guess we kind of, no, there's no kind of about it. I guess that's, that's, I think, a, a pattern repeating itself, a mistake repeating itself, a lesson not learned. Um, I'm not really sure. But up to that point, I had only known pretty much my grandparents as being the ones who were so young to have my mom. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And so I, I kind of... Um, may have felt like he needed me at the time. And maybe I kind of felt like I needed him at the time to understand what it might have been like to be there in the moment with two young parents that were like raising you but still growing up. I don't know. It It is what it is. Anyways, so I continued to dance there for a little bit longer. And then one night, my dad walked in when I was on main stage and he saw me and I saw him and he turned around and walked right out. And that was it for me. I took off my shoes. I caught off the stage. I walked over to Lewis and I was like, I can't, I'm done. And then I called the guy who I had seen with his parents and I was like, can you come pick me up? Because I think I had rode there with my best friend that night. And I don't know, for whatever reason, I didn't have my own vehicle that night. Or maybe I did. Maybe I just got drunk. I'm not really sure. At the time, I was 18. Shouldn't have been drinking. But I was anyways. Bought drinks all night. Um, don't hold the red dog liable. There's no proof of that. Anyway, so he came and picked me up. But he was like, hey, do you have warm clothes? Because I'm going to be on my bike. And I was like, uh, not really. <laughs> I'm in my you know, regular whatever clothes. So he brought me his mom's chaps and his mom's leather jacket. And he took me to his house on his bike with his mom's leathers. And they were still up and they were still partying. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. This is so great. I really like this. And I was just intrigued. I was young. I was 18. And... I kind of clung to that. I don't know why. I, I mean, I, I do know why at the same time. I don't know why his grandparents were great. I ended up getting very close with them as well. We had only been dating for a very short time. And I mean, some of the details I'm going to leave out. 
because obvious reasons, but because also maybe if there's a book sometime you can get it. But um, after a short time, I had decided like after, you know, my family's like, you're 19, you're almost 20, you need to get married. So that's what we did. I married the guy from the strip club. And, you know, we had a little rent house on southwest side of Oklahoma City. And all I wanted was to be a mom. That's it. So I focused all of that on that. He's like, you're so young, you know, and there was all the family aspect and everything. And, you know, I don't know that he really, um, so about him a little bit. He was a little bit older than me. When I met him, he still lived with his parents. I want to say still, but that's not exactly true. He had been with a girl for a little while, and they had a child, and she up and left with a kid, and it hurt him a lot. And so he he tried to get the kid back. It didn't work. When we were together, after we got married, and we were stable, and we had a house of our own, I went to two or three attorneys in attempts to get the kid back, get the child. Not for me. I mean, I mean, yes, for me too. But for him, because I knew how sad he was about it. And it was just a whole big thing. And his parents didn't believe that I wanted that. And they thought that I wanted to just erase him. And that's not true. That wasn't, even though I had made some I had made a couple of bad choices up to that point. That's not who I was then, and it's still not who I am now. So I went to some attorneys, and basically after a ton of attorney fees and free consultations and private investigators and this and that, it just did not happen. Maybe partly because he didn't want it to, maybe partly because Oklahoma state law is not that great when it comes to dad's rights or it wasn't back then, and that was 2004. So 14 years ago, maybe it's a lot different now, I'm not sure. But I, I really still, after all that, I just wanted to be a mom, that's it. That was a focus of my forefront, and that's what I wanted. And um, I think he had a hard time with that, which in hindsight is understandable. At the time, I think I did understand that, but... Now that I'm older, I, I think I could have given him more voice to say why he was not against it, but just having a hard time with it. So, oh, so in that relationship, we we moved a lot. Like we had um, one, two. I think we been, we weren't together very long. We moved like five times. We just could not find our comfort zone. We could not find our flow. And I think he knew it. I think I knew it. And things just, we were young. Gosh. And it just didn't work out. And I told him I wanted a divorce. And he started acting out. And I started acting out. And um, at that time, I, I hadn't been dancing. And Going a few years back, I had started working at a car dealer, a used car dealership in Bethany, Oklahoma, and I loved it. I really did. It was awesome. 
And I started doing, you know, just like reception and book work and things like that. And I ended up, you know, at times pretty much managing the entire car lot. And I really love that. Um, and one of our home, oh my gosh, there's another home that I forgot about. Uh, I, we, we had met, he went to get his, he had several piercings. I can't remember which one, but we went to a place in Dell city, Oklahoma, and he went to get something pierced and we met the people there. Oh my God. Oh, this is bringing up so much. What the heck? So, um, he got his whatever pierced and we started talking and that's just how we were. We talked to everybody and we made friends and, you know, it was just kind of one of those things. And he ended up saying, the owner of the tattoo slash piercing place, he's like, hey, I'm starting a magazine and I'm doing some photo shoots because I'm starting, you know, I'm like kind of getting my photography down and things like that. So, you know, if you'd be interested in modeling for my magazine, I will also send your pictures in to some other magazines and see if we can get you some like shoots. I was like, sure, why not? So one Saturday, they came over to our house and um, we were, we shot the photos and I was not in the best shape of my life. I had been drinking Coors Light and like, it was just, I was not in the place that I thought that I should have been for doing, you know, photo shoots, but he brought some clothes and I had some outfits and, you know, we shot the, shot the photo shoot at my house just against a white wall with nothing but a camera and a light. And then after that, I was like, Hey, you know, do you guys want to stay and have some beers? And so I think his wife went to the store and got some beer and, you know, we were all sitting in my garage and had the garage door open and kind of overlooking the neighborhood and stuff. And they started kind of sharing their story with us. And he owned him and his family, but basically him owned and operated two or three tattoo and not tattoo, but body piercing, places around Oklahoma City, like Dell City, Midwest City. And um, they were trying to get tattooing legalized because at that time it wasn't and it hadn't been until the, the more recent, like, I don't know, five or six years maybe. Maybe longer. I don't really know. But she, they had kids. They had four kids. And um, two of the kids were from her previous marriage and two of the kids were from their current marriage and come to find out the wife's previous marriage was with the photographer's brother. And I'm sorry if this is hard to follow, but I don't want to give names just for privacy sake. And I feel like you understand that, but she had been previously married to the body piercing shop's owner's brother who was killed in a drunk driving accident and so they got married and they were together and they were in a um, polygamist relationship so he got to see and see whoever he wanted and do whatever he wanted and she was basically just like the um encouragement for that she didn't seek anything outside the relationship but she knew he wanted to do that so she 
approved and was okay. And she was the designated driver. She never drank a thing after her late husband passed, his brother. And so that really threw my whole brain upside down. I, I mean, I know that kind of thing exists in the world, but, you know, in, Oklahoma, in Choctaw, Oklahoma, especially back then, to have that, right, like at my, on my neighbor's house and all that was happening is so new to me. I was like, fuck, I was intrigued. I was confused. I had no, I mean, I talked to her, the wife, so many times, like, you sure you're okay with this? And all of these things. And she was just so genuine in her conviction about making sure all four kids, her husband, even herself was happy. Like, I've never met anybody like these two people in my life. I really don't know how they do to this day, I don't know how they do it, even after all the things I've seen. And yes, I do still know for a fact that they are together and more kids and more wives and more girlfriends have happened. And I'm, I just don't get it. But I mean, hey, teach their own. So anyway, he takes the pictures in, in the house that we owned. And in this house, let me just tell you some facts about this. Um, this house was very spiritually charged when we lived there prior to and after taking the photos and the the whatever the photo shoot or whatever you want to call it so I guess technically that would have been my first one ever when I was 20 <coughs> excuse me it was very spiritually charged like there were nights I couldn't sleep. I felt like I was in this vortex. It was just crazy. And we had these neighbors that have lived there for a very long time. And he had told us that there was a woman that had lived there and her son had passed away in the house. And then she eventually passed away in the house. And that's not what that felt like. It was not like, oh, these ghosts died here. That's, it's not what it felt like at all. So I started doing some investigation and I started kind of tapping into my, um, uh, my abilities, I guess you could say. I, I have always been intuitive and, you know, kind of able to connect when I want to, to certain things. And these things, like, this is this was happening whenever I didn't even want to. It was like when I was asleep, when I was awake, whenever. There were just so many things you could not explain. And uh, this was right around the time that the girl went missing. Oh my God, why can't I think of her name right now? Are you serious? She went missing at her, her senior trip and the boys were guilty as F and they weren't convicted and, um, they were just, oh my God, her name, her mom did the show afterwards. Anyway, that's when that was all going on and, um, my great-grandma and great-grandfather, they had passed a long time ago. And several times in the middle of the night, I would be sleeping and I would wake up to something mimicking my great-grandfather in his red and black flannel shirt and his glasses and him, but holding me down by my chest where I couldn't move. I could barely breathe, barely move. 
and I, it was like, it was like the sleep paralysis, but it wasn't like, I, I have, I have done astral projecting before I have done sleep paralysis. Like I, I have that experience and it wasn't that. And it was just so clear seeing his face, but knowing it wasn't him. And so I started doing some EVPs and, and things like that. And that's kind of when my earthly spiritual life kind of changed and um so kind of going back to when my husband at the time and I started drifting apart he he doesn't believe he didn't believe I don't know if he does now I don't know don't talk to him but he didn't believe in otherworldly things and he didn't even believe in God he didn't even believe in an afterlife and that to me was so like knowing what I know almost as a fact, just knowing what, I mean, not even of like a, a godly presence or existence, but knowing what I, what I felt so connected to about the universe and spirituality, I just couldn't, couldn't get on board with that. And I didn't hate him. I never hated him, but I think we just kind of grew to know that like, what the hell are we doing? So all of this at the same time that the photo shoot happened and then we were separated and I can't remember what I did when we separated. Oh, yes, I do. I do remember. So I wasn't living with him anymore. And I ended up staying a lot with friends. And there were like a whole bunch of us. And I was, um, I was so, oh, okay. So let's fast forward a little bit. Before we ended up separating, he did send my photos into magazines and I got callbacks from all three of them. And the, um, all three of them were in LA. So at 20 years old, I flew to LA and I shot for club magazine and easy rider magazine. And I think club did like they did, they have a couple of different types of magazines. There's like, there's like secret letters or whatever that was an easy writer. And so I ended up flying out and shooting for both of those. And it was so cool. Oh God, it was such a great experience. I met so many people at club. Um, some people who I ended up meeting up with again years later. And then uh, Easy Rider magazine was so cool. I met with the builder of the bike that I got to pose with, and he even posed with me, him and his dog. And turns out a couple of years after that, he ended up dying of heart failure. It was really sad because that guy was great. He was so cool. Um, so yeah, I got that experience. And the guy who picked me up and, and took me to the shoots and arranged everything, his name was Scott McCool. And I remember, I remember after we were all done and everything, he took me to a nice dinner and he was drinking and I was 20 and I was like looking at him like, oh, I want to drink too. Um, we went to dinner at the end of a pier and he's like, look, you know, print work is good and all of this stuff is fun and stuff. He's like, but if you want to make the big bucks, you're going to have to probably go into porn. He's like, living in LA? I know. Only 1% gets in, you know, is successful in all of the other things. 
the adult entertainment industry is where it's at. And I was like, oh, hell no. Are you serious? This is not, you're not, no. This is not real life. And this has got to be a joke. And so I was still with my husband at the time and I went back to Oklahoma and I was still at the car dealership and I got another call from another magazine in Miami. And this was at the time, like, okay, so I guess I did jump ahead a little bit. We did split up and things were not so great at all. But I mean, I guess we kind of understood that it wasn't going to be the same as it ever was. And I go to Miami and I'm there for a long time. My, um, I, I don't know, someone who had seen something or whatever he, he had said like, look, I will fly you out. I will pay for your flight here. Um, you know, I will get you some shoots. I will, I will kind of bend to your restrictions to your expectations and at the end of I just only thing I would require is that you would be here for at least two weeks and you would buy your ticket home and I was like at that time I had turned 21 and I was 21 and I was ready to get the fuck out I was done with Oklahoma I knew I'd miss my family I just wanted to get out and start sowing some oats after everything with my childhood, after everything with high school and after high school and husband, these people that I met and taking pictures and getting a taste of that. I was just like, you know what? Fly me out. Let's do this. And so he flew me out and I, I took you know, pictures with several different magazines, several different major companies, photographers. Oh man, I was, I was so excited to do that. I mean, it was, it was such a great distraction from everything that I had kind of kept pushed down and pushed down and pushed down for so long. And, um, the, the, manager I guess you could and you could call him if you want to um I had actually stayed over the two weeks and I was put up in the model house which you call the model house and it was me and another girl and she was cool she was really cool and um I had kind of overstayed he's like look you're you're kind of overstaying he's like but you're you know you're, you're kind of successful in this and things are going really well so I'll make an exception for you if you want to stay longer I was like yeah I think I do. I think I want to stay longer. So it was like four weeks into it, and I finally flew back to Oklahoma, and I grabbed some stuff, and I flew. I think I was there for like a week or two. And then he called me. He's like, okay, I have more work lined up for you. So I went back. When I went back, he did not drive me to the model house. He drove me to a little pay-by-week apartment with one room and a kitchen and a living room in the middle of like Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And he was like, if you want to make this permanent, I'm more than willing to pay for this for you. He's like, you may have a roommate or two every now and then they'll sleep on the couch. You get the bedroom. He's like, but you're going to have to consider doing video. And he 
pretty much spelled out what my income and profit could be and the potential. And I was at the time, if you haven't caught this from the story at this point, was ready to live very selfishly. And even though I was ready to do that, I was still fighting with myself. Do I do this? Do I not? What am I going to do? I want that freedom. I want that financial freedom. I want the attention. I want the audience. I want the travel. I want the experience. I wanted, I wanted that, but I didn't want to disappoint my family. I didn't want to disappoint myself. And in the back of my mind, I always knew that I wanted to be a mom. And what would that mean for that? Who would I meet along the way? And I was, I was thinking about those things at the time. At 21 years old still, I was. And I'm 33 today, so let's just keep that in mind. So I spoke with, and he was he was pretty cool. He got a lot of shit in the industry, but he was pretty cool. He was the guy who owned the model house that I was staying at initially. And I went to him and I said, Jeff, look, I'm having a hard time. I'm having a real hard time. And I, I laid out everything that I was having a hard time about. I remember disease came up and he, even to this day, when I think about the points that he, very valid points he made, I'm like, damn, okay. Um, but of all people at that time, all people that I could have asked, I didn't call my grandma, I didn't call my grandpa, I didn't call my aunt, all these people who put so much into making sure that I was on the right path. I called my mom. Of all people. And she said, in so many words, she said that if I made the choice to do that and anybody judge me, it would be their problem. And a couple of other things too. For some reason, at that point in my life, at 21, after everything, what she said made so much sense to me and I still can't understand why. And this is not to say that she made my decision for me or that Jeff made my decision for me or anything like that I did. I made my choice. I 100% made the choice. I was caught up in all the possibilities and opportunities and everything like that. And I, I did it. And I'm going to tell you some stories about that time in my life, but I want you to say right now that, or I want to say to you right now, that I have moved on. I'm so far moved on. If I do think about it now, I'm kind of caught in a, in a, a crossfire or a crossroad of would I have done it? Do I regret it that bad? Or did 
every choice I make at that time mean something and get me to where I am now. And I go with the latter because of these stories. So I made the choice to go ahead and do it. And, um, you know, I started working with some companies that were highly respected and I did some great stuff. And then I worked with some people that were garbage, that were your stereotypical run-of-the-mill, the stories that you hear about that sort of thing. I experienced it. And that same year that I decided to do do that was the very first year that I went to a show in Las Vegas. <clears throat> and I remember we stayed at the, oh my God, where do we stay? <laughs> I'm really bad at storytelling. We stayed at the, I want to say it's the Imperial. And it was my agent and me and his girlfriend. And we went with knowing that I wanted to seek a contract with a company. So that was the only company I was working for. And that was the only thing I was doing. And so we were staying there and just going, just walking the floors of this huge show. And at that time, 14, 13 years ago, it was immaculate. Oh man, celebrities everywhere, everywhere celebrities people you wouldn't even I mean oh my god I don't want to start dropping names just in case I get in trouble but I was just my mouth was on the floor the whole time and I was being stopped to ask for pictures and I wasn't even anything and I was nobody knew who I was at all and we went to one booth and someone who had requested to see me and I walked in and he was like between meetings. And he was very busy. And we met and we sat down and we talked and we connected instantly. And that was going to be my company. So I, I knew it. And that's all I wanted. So I, I finished up the rest of the show. We went to the award show. We went to the after party. Everything was crazy. Oh my God, so crazy. And um, that February there was a contract offer on the table and I didn't even care what it took to get me away from Miami. I wanted to be in LA and I took it. And so from that point on, I was in LA going back and forth from Oklahoma. And um, I know a lot of you want to know some details, so I will say some, but I had the opportunity to only do very select scenes. So I didn't do very many honestly, compared to other things that were going on at the time. And I, I got to pick everybody I worked with. I got to pick everything I did, every movie, every scene, every photo shoot, everything. I got the opportunity to meet so many great people. And I, aside from the stereotypical things that you do hear about, some of the greatest people I met were in that industry. And I still respect a lot of them for a lot of reasons and I got to travel, I got to geez, meet everybody and connect with people. I mean, going to, I mean, yes, 
you know, going to stores and just meeting people and doing signings and whatever you want, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to think of it. I had such unique opportunities to connect with human beings. And that meant the world to me. It really did and it still does. And so as I kind of, and again, I was sowing some oats and I was rebelling against things that had happened to me in my childhood. And I was, I was upset. I think my inner child was like, you know what? I had to grow up too fast and that's bullshit. And so now I'm going to act like this. And then part of me was the adult part of me who, who grew to just want certain things and, and want to experience certain things. There are no excuses. There are only the choices that I made then and what I learned from them. But I did. I got that. My favorite thing was the human connection. But then I started realizing that my means to an end could mean that this is going to stay with me forever. And still in the back of my mind, the only thing I wanted was to be a mother. And so I had a pretty good... Had a pretty good run. And it's somewhere in the middle of it, I got very sick. Very sick. I was, and I'm sorry if this is TMI, but I was um I was bleeding, like menstruating for days and days and days at a time. And I, I think there was one year in if you want to say the height of whatever I had I had bled for 172 days straight. No stopping, no kidding. I was so sick. My hair was almost all gone. My skin was a different color. My nails were, I don't even know. They felt like, they felt like sandpaper, thin, brittle. I was sick. Western medicine couldn't figure it out. I just was sick. It was stress. It was hormones it was whatever but they never wanted to give it a name they told me um you know kind of a few years back that it would be impossible for me to have children without some sort of medical intervention if that would even work which meant um i mean my my final doctor that i saw after a couple of different surgeries and things he said that he would give me a 0.01% chance of conceiving a child. And that led to more spiraling. There was, I mean, again, if you've been listening and have made it to this point, then you have heard that the only thing I wanted was to be a mom. And I, for a split second, gave up on that. And then... I started searching for literally anything that would be my miracle. That would change my story. Or add to my story or complete my story. I don't really know. But I was, I knew I was toward the end of everything. Hold on, excuse me. <coughs> that. And um, there was one Christmas and we were in Ohio and there was a big Christmas party. No, we weren't. 
We were in Pittsburgh. in Pittsburgh and I we went to a party inside of this big church that they had turned into a club called altar and I just remember acting in so many ways that I was just like what the f is wrong with you like this is not me this is not who I want to be this is this is insane for even a person who is spiraling out of control I mean, I I kissed a random dude in the corner, and then I went upstairs, and the Pittsburgh Steelers were there, and I can't name names, but they were in room, and things were going on that I wasn't comfortable with, and so then I went outside of that room, and then more Steelers behind the bar, and he created some shot, and then the Steelers offensive line was like cheers to Steelers and I was like cheers to Brett Favre and they all wanted to kill me and I'm not even kidding it wasn't even cute it was not even funny they wanted to kill me and I was like all right I'm just gonna slip over here and at the time you know I'm with I traveled with several of the wicked girls at the time and a couple of them I became really close with and I loved that I loved it and but that was it for me. I think I think that party was my turning point, and I, um, I, I. So everybody thinks that my daughter—not everybody, but a lot of people who aren't really sure—question um, if my daughter is from a performer in the industry, and she is not at all. But at that time when I was so ready to, it was like, uh, it was almost like, it was almost like if you're in the rapids and if you've read my book, then I explain this in another type of like, um, kind of like scenario, but it's almost like if you're in the rapids and you're going down and then things get faster and they get crazier and they get like, you're about to flip over or you, you can't, control your or and everything is just everything is just not okay like the waterfall is coming and you don't even care what you have to do at this point you just grab onto something if you can and so I had met her father um while double <laughs> double dating with his friend and one of my friends and I I don't want to say too much about him, uh, but you know, while definitely not the person I was supposed to be with, he was the rock I cling on to. I was spiraling, I was spiraling, I was spiraling, and then he was the one who made me stop. Um, and, and not in a kind way, maybe more abrasive, but that's not, that's not necessarily talking shit on him um and and taking personal or yeah like personal blows it was very much more that's what I needed at the time because up until then you couldn't tell me anything and if you remember back in story two that's kind of how I was my whole childhood couldn't tell me anything couldn't tell me anything I needed somebody to fucking put their finger on 
my chest or my head and say, listen, you dumbass, stop being a loser and get your life together. Mind you, I wasn't a loser in the sense that I was doing anybody any harm, not anybody besides myself. I was not doing myself any justice. I was beating myself up. I was not taking care of myself. And I, well, I was happy, very happy and always, always, you know, easygoing and humble. I was, I was sick and I wasn't healthy and I was not taking care of myself in the way I needed to be. And I needed to have a clear mind and able to heal myself. And even though it was slightly abrasive, that's what he provided. So, um, yeah, I met him and I never really, I don't know. I didn't know what to expect, but after being told that I could not have children, but also after being slowed down and, and then, and being in the process of retiring from the industry, I, I did not know that I when it had happened, when I got pregnant with my daughter, that it, I was at the place where I could have. I did a lot of soul searching in the, in the amount of time from meeting him to the point of getting pregnant, but I still didn't believe it. I had the narrative in my head that, you know, even though I did feel better and things were much better for me, that I still I had the narrative again that it just was not going to happen, or if it did happen, then... I don't know. I don't know what I thought, but anyway, I had, so the story of finding out I was pregnant with my daughter, um, I was, um, shooting a commercial and helping out with some friends that I had been shooting with in Canada to do this like interview show for Bell TV up in Canada and so I went and I remember like drinking Coke and at the time, I don't because you know me now, I would not do this, but drinking Coke at the time and being so sick and like, oh God, I feel so terrible. I felt awful. And I went back to the house I was staying at, which was with him. And I was going through our little, we had like this little storage closet thing in the bathroom underneath the staircase. And I was getting all my stuff out because I was pretty much ready to move out. And I found a pregnancy test. And I was like, oh, you know, let's, let's do this. And so I did. <laughs> and I was pregnant. And after that, it was like, it was like everything that had happened to me or that, I don't want to say to me, but that had happened in my life and I had experienced and learned from and grown from. I took that and it was like, it was like in a, like a briefcase or a suitcase and I just shut it and I pushed it away and I was like, this is what I have wanted. This is the only thing I have loved and cherished. The, the thought of the, the, the actual like meaning of it. This is and so I didn't think about anything else. It was like an immediate, I called a guy who I had met with at the show so many years ago who is still so important to me in my life today. 
has helped me through so many things in my life. And we are so very close and he's the greatest guy. And I said, I'm done. I'm pregnant. And he was like, I knew it. He's like, I knew that this was supposed to happen for you and you need to get out of here. <laughs> Just go do your thing. And so I did. And that was it. And I, I worked very hard um, to overcome voices in my head and narrative from other people, especially my daughter's father, of how despicable my old career was and what I would tell her and how just how absolutely blatant I could be about separating me, Ashley, from her. And I did that. Oh, man, did I do that. And I'm, I'm actually very proud of myself about the way I went about it. I mean, I, I did lose some people that I was close with because they did not feel the same way that I did. And it wasn't, it wasn't their, they weren't their feelings to have. They were my feelings to have. And if I could say something to that, is that um, someone who I am still, I, I have some respect for inside the industry, who's still doing her thing. She was asked um, in a recent Q&A, you know, what, what advice she would give for someone who's getting into the business. And she said, you know what, you have to think about, you know, this is, this is not something that you can come into being prepared for regret. This will stick with you for the rest of your life, whether you like it or not. And that is, that is, while I did consider it, I, I did not fully understand the magnitude of that. So, you know, you know, while working very hard to separate myself and to build a new life and a new, I won't say brand, I will say a new, um, no, I will say giving my real self to the world. I struggled so bad with shame and regret. And, um, you know, while my, my daughter's father and I did not work out, I moved out um, from our house to apartment of mine and my daughter's own when she was uh, nine months old or 10 months old. And that was it. And from there, I started, um, I, I started doing a lot of, you know, kind of charity work and, you know, selling my old things and donating parts to charity and really trying to build those karma points for all the things that I was just such an asshole for before I felt like. And again, I don't think I was on the path to hurt anybody. Um, you know, maybe my family didn't love it so much. As long as I was healthy and safe, I think, I mean, they hated it, but as long as I was healthy and safe, they were more comforted. But, um, you know, trying to redeem some of my like human points and self-love points. So I was just ridding myself of everything and everything and everything. And yeah, so we, it was my daughter and I, and I was a mom and man, did that girl change my life? I, I looked into her eyes and I 
saw me and to this day I look in her eyes and I see me even the parts that we butt heads on I see me and we she just teaches me every day about myself I just I still can't believe that she made me a mom and um and then we were living in that apartment. We moved to another apartment. And my aunt, my mom's sister, the one that helped me out a lot in my childhood, you know, we were, we were close and we we're, were always talking. And she's like, you know, I really wish you would reach out to my friend. And if we have friends with the family of, you know, this person for a very long time. And um, she's like, I really wish you would reach out. I'm just, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. So finally, you know, she, it was the 4th of July, um, 2001, I guess it would have been 2012. And she's like, look, I'll send you pictures of this guy. Like we've known his family forever. He lives two houses down reach out. And I'm like, Ugh. so she sends me pictures and I met, I met some friends of mine's house who I actually met the summer that I, I pretty much changed my mind. Um, shooting Piranha 3D and they were stunt people and they were the greatest people I've ever met. <laughs> Literally, they were so cool. And I went to their house for the 4th of July that year. My daughter was almost two. And I just, I, we were sitting in the hot tub and I just was in awe of their relationship. I was just like, you know what? I, you know, I, I've got my daughter now and, and I, I deserve stability. I deserve love and I can give somebody so many things and, and somebody can give so many things to me. And, and this is what life is about because they had their son who was about the same age as my daughter and they were just such a great couple, and that's what kind of inspired me to be like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to this guy. So July fifth, I felt like total shit because I had partied on July fourth and I had somehow gotten like a cold or something. But July sixth, it was a Friday. And I was like, you know what? I don't feel good. My daughter's about to go to sleep. I'm gonna reach out to this guy. So I did, and that's Travis, and um, we talked Friday night, we talked all day Saturday, we talked all day Sunday, he went and bought a webcam on Sunday, and I took one look at him, and I was like, oh yeah, this is a, this is a thing, this is, this is happening, and yeah, we, we did that, we Skyped for some time, and I think from the time we started talking to the next time I visited Oklahoma was like five or six weeks or something like that. But it was such a whirlwind. Like I loved him so much from the start that I knew when I went to Oklahoma, it was going to be all about making this happen with him. So we go to Oklahoma that August, like 20 something, 20 something, I don't even remember, something like that. And I, 
went to my grandparents' house, did the whole thing for a while, and then I went to Travis's house, and that was like it. <laughs> that was pretty much it. Anytime I had to leave him and go back to California, I was not okay. And that is not something that I had known before. I was I was not that emotional type of girl. I just was not. And so in October, was it October? Yes. October of that year, he moved to California. And, and it was fast, yes. And, you know, having a daughter, he had an instant family. And, you know, there was that whole aspect of it. But they were best friends from the get-go. And there never beat was skipped. Like we celebrated Halloween for the first time. We celebrated Thanksgiving for the first time. We celebrated Christmas for the first time and everything was good. I mean, we were young and he was young and he's, you know, he's younger than me and whatever. Um, but you know, we, we went through some, you know, normal things and we, he proposed to me, we got married, we got married at the house I grew up in on our property um, October 27th, 2013. And yeah, I mean, things were great for a very long time. And then the same thing came up again. I already had my daughter. Yes. But with him, I wanted a baby. I wanted a baby. That was, I'm not saying my daughter was a mistake. She was not. Oh my God miraculous angel my daughter is just absolutely what I needed and oh but I wanted you know a baby with a husband and a normal life and and he did too but perhaps it was just a little bit quicker than he wanted and you know men I think you know they do kids slightly differently than women and he, you know, he took to video games and he took to his me time a little bit. And I did too. I took to my me time. I was obsessed with the baby and with all that. And that's what I focused on. And that eventually led to us. And I'm going to, I'm going to start speeding it up because I know this is kind of dragging and getting to the now, but, um, you know, he, he distanced himself and I, while I think I distanced myself too, I was reaching a little bit harder than he wanted me to um, in some areas. And that led to him kind of checking out from the relationship or led to me checking out from the relationship. And that was when our son was, you know, one or two. We had had the baby, obviously. And it just, things got kind of bad. And um, we separated, and that was in 2016. And then I had realized the mistakes I had made, and I was I I was like down on my hands and knees, like please, you know, come back, come back, come back. And he did. And then that same year in 2016, he just said to me, "Look, like I tried, I can't do this." And so that was it. And then 2017 was like one of the hardest years of my life um, despite everything because now I was an adult now I was facing reality now I wasn't running away now I wasn't you know 
making crazy decisions. Now I am, you know, now I am here. And now I am a mom of two. And now I am a career woman. And obviously going back to school and and doing all of that and wanting to be a practitioner and becoming practitioner and graduating and all of those things, you know, after being a single mom and our single mom or, a, you know, a not working mom, a stay at home mom. And it was a whirlwind of everything that I had learned from and grown from and experienced and 2017 pretty much knocked me on my ass if it weren't for a dear friend and a couple of other people and my kids oh my god I just I honestly do not know what would have happened to me because I will tell you out of everything from my mom yes that hurt that sucked that was shit my dad that hurt that sucked that was shit to you know being that being them they did that to facing the choices that I made that was me that was me I did that I did everything I made every choice up until that point and it it hit me and also I lost my best friend the love of my life he is my best friend Point blank, I drew so much of my energy from him. Did, do, still do, always will. And, um, you know, he, after saying, it was December 29th, 2016, he didn't want to be married anymore, um, to moving out, and then to um, having realizations of his own. He did come back and I was a little hesitant just because, you know, everything that I was going through with myself and then with trust and, and all of that. And we really, we really fucking conquered that shit. We really did. Like we were there for each other. We grew up, we grew the fuck up. Like, I'm sorry for the foul language, but we grew up, we showed up, we, we were really there and we, you know, we made it happen. And now I am a wife. I'm happy, happy wife, mother of two. I'm a naturopathic practitioner. I help people heal from things they did not think they were going to come back from much like myself back then when things were bad for me. Um, you know, sometimes with adjunctive uh, Western medicine, sometimes naturopathic medicine is all you need. But I am this now, and I am here now, and I am here to tell you that if you're here because of old Ashley or that person I don't identify with anymore, but you're here to support me because of my changes, thank you so much. A lot of you have contributed to my well-being and my motivation and my inspiration to keep going as well. So thank you so much. If you're here because you think some of that will come back or because you don't realize it was nine years ago that that happened, then I, I'm so sorry for you. Like I, I really wish that nothing, nothing but the best for you, but I'm here. I'm here now in this position. I am a practitioner. I am a mom. I am a wife. I'm here to help people heal 
emotional, physical, you know, health issues, mental issues, spiritual issues, mind body issues. That is what I'm here for. That is what I was born to do. Aside from being a mother and being a mother has taught me a lot of how to do that for everybody else. So if you've made it to this point, thank you so much for listening to my story. I love you all. I, again, am, I'm so impressed and blown away by the the outpouring and the feedback. And I am going to be here for you. And I am here for you. And I'm proud of you. And even if you haven't begun your fight to the other side of where you want to be, if you are on the other side of where you want to be, if you are in your spiral, if you are just beginning your spiral, I'm here for you. And I am proud of you. I am proud of you. And again, thank you for listening. I'm going to wrap up. Um, yeah, if you have any questions, please send them to me via email, ashley at socalnaturalhealth.com or Instagram, or you can visit my site, socalnaturalhealth.com. Thank you all again. Have a good night.